It's time once again for the Passion to Succeed podcast, where we explore the traits, mindsets, and attitudes of passionate and successful individuals. This show is for anyone who wants to make a difference, make more money, learn from the greatest minds, and discover how to be more successful in all you do and doing it with a pure passion to succeed. Here's your host, serial entrepreneur, successful author, and the world's most passionate master coach, Craig White. It's a free show. It's had well over 30,000 downloads and continues to provide some amazing insights on how we can become more and contribute more. Over the year, though, we've had some superb shows with some extremely inspiring, influential individuals. And today is certainly no different. I get the opportunity to bring a great man. It's a great pleasure to chat with and give you an opportunity to listen to a man that's had over 25 years has been making a difference in the, the lives of millions of people worldwide. Chris Widener is a successful businessman, author, coach and mentor. Um, some of you will know him well. Uh, he's worked with two of the world's greatest legends, Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar, in the world of personal development. And Chris has been an author of over 12 books, some of my favourites, the likes of The Angel Inside. Um, I found myself on a trip to Florence, um, you know, looking for, for the David statue. You know, The Art of Influence is uh, something I've just finished reading. And he co-authored one of my personal favourites, 12 Pillars, um, as well as the sequel above all else. So certainly Chris is one of the foremost experts on leadership and influence and it, it really does give me great pleasure to bring uh, this successful man to our show today. Uh, how are you today Chris? What's with you today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, you mentioned going to Florence. I made my first trip to Florence a couple weeks ago. So I wrote a best-selling book that was based there and I'd never actually been there. So uh, it was exciting to be able to be there and of course see the artwork and the David and the like, so it was a lot of fun. Well, that's pretty fantastic. To be honest, it was only it was only three to four weeks ago that I actually took the trip myself. I mean, I read your book. Um, it feels like a few years ago, um, but yeah, it was. Um, it's an amazing city, hey? Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful, amazing. Did you get a chance to kind of venture around that kind of area, or was it just? We did a day trip there from Rome, uh, okay. uh, so we were in Rome for five days, and we took one of the days, and we, we did a day trip up there, so we were only there for maybe five hours, four or five hours. Okay, fabulous. Yeah, beautiful city. I had the, 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 the pleasure of spending uh, three, four days there, so yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful part of the country, beautiful part of the world even. Hey, um, yeah. I, I do really appreciate you giving us some of your valuable time. I know, um, you know you're a very busy man, but you know, Chris, I mean, some, some people, a lot of the guys that listen to our show will be you know, fully aware of who you are. Certainly guys that I work with very closely. Um, I know they've just been, uh, we've just been reading a book, um, or some of the guys um, that uh, live the life you've always dreamed of. Um, and I, I know we were talking um, just now as well about, obviously, living in your dream home. It was your dream home for like 21 years. Um, I mean, yeah. How did it all start for you? I mean, obviously, you've got the, the kind of made, made for success. I mean, how did all of this come about? Well, it's interesting. Made for success, I actually sold about four years ago to my business partner, um, and he still runs it and, and runs a, a terrific business online, uh, iTunes and the like. Um, I actually got started right out of high school, speaking uh, to summer camps, high schools, youth groups, colleges, because I had a really rough upbringing and got my life turned around. And so people were interested in having me come in and, and uh, talk to teenagers and the like. And then from there, it sort of navigated over to doing time management seminars. Um, and then from there, I got online really early, 1997, I think was when I got online and uh, started building some lists there and wrote my first book, which was just a compilation of a series of articles that I'd written for that email list. And then um, ended up uh, putting on some conferences, got to know some different folks, and, and then was sort of pulled under the wing of Jim Rohn uh, and did some a, a lot of work with him the last seven years of his life. And, and from there, ended up with my own TV show and then got asked to co-host a TV show with Zig Ziglar. So it, it's been a... Uh, an interesting ride over the last uh, number of years since 1988 when I graduated college. Yeah, wow, sounds like uh, sounds like certainly a, a fantastic adventure. You, you mentioned like how you you kind of you had a, a rough up, upbringing and your life was turned around. You know what what was the kind of the turning point? Was there a certain point, or was it a series of events? Or 
Yeah, actually. Um, I My dad died when I was four, and I got into a lot of trouble growing up. My mom went into real estate. She was flipping houses long before it was popular or, or on television. And um, so we would we would buy a house, move in, move on. And uh, I, in fact, I, I tell people I went to 11 different schools and uh, lived in 28 different homes. And because I was such a handful, my mom shipped me off to live with relatives a couple of times when I was growing up, once in the fourth grade and once in the ninth grade, and uh, just really could never figure it out. And then the summer before my senior year of high school, um, I was, uh, well, I guess it was actually probably my sophomore year of high school, I was invited by a friend to go to this little youth group at this little Lutheran church. I mean, it was a little tiny Lutheran church, but they had a youth minister who was a really cool guy, and I didn't know anything about God, I didn't know anything about purpose, I didn't know anything about life, and I had never really had a male role model. My dad died when I was young, one of my grandfathers had disappeared, and the other one died, and I didn't really know him very well either. So I didn't really have many male role models, so this youth minister really became uh, twofold. One, a male role model, he was from Montana, and you you might not know too much about the United States, but Montana's where all the rough and tumble cowboys live. Montana and Texas, right? Yeah. So he was a guy who just you know kicked you in the butt and told you to get your act together, and and um, and so uh, he was good, and then taught me a lot about uh, God and purpose, and you know just a, a bigger picture to life than just this myopic focus on you know what is currently and momentarily important. So uh, that was a real significant changing point in my life. Wow, so you certainly kind of shifted your thinking to, to a whole new kind of direction. Yeah, totally. So you, I know um, one of the questions you've, you've talked about, and I've you know, obviously um, followed you and, and read a lot of your, your books and, and watched some of your, your kind of your videos and YouTube and you know, the stuff that you get out there to influence other people. You know, obviously, I've been influenced as well. And I've, I know you've talked about a question that's driven you for, for 25 years. Um, you know, what separates the successful from the unsuccessful? I mean, what, what kind of answers have you come across to allow you to, I suppose, you know, develop what you've developed yourself from your own successes, but also being able to positively influence other people to maybe follow that lead? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, when I, when I finally got things turned around, I realized that what I, I wanted the same thing everybody else wanted in life. In fact, in my seminars, I will regularly ask a series of questions. I'll say, how many of you would like a million dollars in your bank account? And, of course, everybody raises their hand. In fact, I was just in uh, Europe. I spoke in Barcelona and um, Gothenburg. So I said, how many of you would like a million euros in your your bank account? Funny thing is, they all still raise their hand, even in Europe. (laughs) They want a million euros in their bank account. So everybody wants financial stability, wealth, you know, financial security and the like. Then I'll say, how many of you would like to have a, um, a loving relationship, lifelong relationship, find somebody you can share your life with? Everybody's hand goes up. Yeah. Nobody wants to be single and alone every night for the rest of their life, you know, eating TV dinners and watching reruns of, of old television shows. No, you want somebody that you can share your life with. Um, and then I'll say, okay, um, how many of you who have children or want children, how many of you would like your children to grow up to be productive members of society? Well, everybody's hand goes up. Yep. Nobody says, you know, I hope little Johnny grows up to go to prison. You know, everybody <laughs> wants their children to, to do better and to do greater. I'd love for my kids to even go further and beyond what I've accomplished and, and to live, you know, healthy, productive uh, lives. And then I'll say, how many of you would like to be physically fit and live to a ripe old age? Everybody's hand goes up. Well, what that tells me is that everybody wants essentially the same thing. Now, the specifics of it might be differently. If you know, everybody wants a million dollars, but some might buy a Ferrari and some might, you know, just stick it in a, you know, buy gold and silver and you know, mm-hmm. and just stick it away somewhere. So, what you might do with it might be differently, uh, different from person to person. But it was intriguing to me to see that everybody wants the same thing. And then they couple that with the fact that, you know, we live in a free society. You and I both live in in Western culture. We live in a free society. And there are certain things about free societies. We can go where we want. uh, We can live where we want. Nobody accidentally ended up living where they live, right? You chose the house. You were telling me you bought this old farmhouse and renovated. You chose that house. I chose my dream house. I didn't accidentally end up, wake up one day and go, wow, how did I end up here? I chose to live here. I chose my profession. Uh, we can go where we want, live where we want. We can marry who we want. 
I always ask, you know, how many of you got accidentally married? And there's always one smart aleck who raises his hand and says, yeah, one night in Las Vegas, right? But, you know, the fact is, is we choose everything that we do. So you couple those two things together, and it's fascinating to me. Everybody wants the same thing. And we live in a culture where you can have exactly what you want. You can make any choices you want. Great. And yet some people do and some people don't. That, to me, is the profound question there, is everybody wants a million dollars, anybody could have a million dollars, but some people do and some people don't. So what is it about the people who do and what is it about the people that don't? And I find that that question has brought me to a lot of answers. I mean, there's a lot of answers that all come into um, into success, but um, the primary thing would be choice is that successful people understand the power of choice. Now, for example, I was getting my hair cut. I, I love my barber. He, he cuts my hair all the time. We've become friends. We, we haven't done anything outside the barber shop, but, you know, we, we'll grab a cup of coffee or something. It's not like we go on vacation together or anything, but super good guy and uh, like him a lot. And the other day he said something to me about, um, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, I wish I made the money that you make. And I said, well, uh, you could. And he said, how could I, you know, and he basically played the victim card. Mm -hmm. I'm a barber. And, and I said, but you chose to be a barber. You, you chose to be a barber. There, are, there aren't a whole lot of barbers making, you know, 500 grand a year unless they own a chain of barbershops. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he chose to, to do that and it pays him a certain amount of money. You know, when you're going to college, um, for those people who go to college, they make a choice. Am I going to major in finance and go work on Wall Street where even the dumbest guy can make a million dollars a year? Or are you going to go be a teacher, an elementary education major? That's just a choice. Yep. Neither one is right. Neither one is wrong. But one is going to be more apt to make the million dollars than the other one is. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand that the choices they make determine to a great degree whether or not they're going to be successful in their, in their endeavor. What they want to do is... They want to make a bad choice and then gripe about the fact that the result didn't end up the way they the, the, the way they ended up, you know, yeah. picking. So they'll say, well, I'm a school teacher. I don't make any money. Well, it's fantastic. You're a school teacher. You're making a difference in the lives of children. You, you're helping kids. You're, you're a productive member of society. But don't gripe about the fact that you don't make much money. Mm -hmm. Because if you wanted to make money, there are other choices you could make that would make you the money, you know? And so um, I think that that's just a really big idea that most people never get their, their eyes around. Um, you know, working, uh, you, you probably are aware of my uh, Invisible Profit System CD where I talk about the difference between working for profits or working for wages. Mm -hmm. And that's an old Jim Rohn. It's based on an old Jim Rohn quote, profits are better than wages. Yeah. Most people want to be wealthy, but they work in a wage system. Mm -hmm. And nobody gets rich working for wages. There's very, very few people who get rich working for wages. I have found some. Professional athletes can get rich trading time for money. Mm -hmm. you, if you play uh, football for a year, you make $2 million. Yeah. If you will go on tour for six months and, and you're a musician, you might make $20 million. Um, if you are an actor or an entertainer, if you're a sports star, you can trade time for money. Work a period of time, get paid a certain amount of uh, amount of money. If you're a high-ranking CEO in a in a you know a very large company, you can get rich trading time for money. But the reality is, the average person chooses to work in a wage system, and they don't make the kind of wealth that they want. Instead, they need to get they need to choose to not be in the wage system and get into a profit system where they own their own business, whether it's network marketing or it's traditional business like opening up a chain of of uh, you know, ice cream stores or coffee shops or dry cleaners or, you know, whatever it might be. But most people want to choose to be in the wage system and then complain that they don't get rich, complain that they don't have enough money. They won't get into the profit system because there's too much risk and people don't want to, um, you know, take that risk. Is it fine that they work in the wage system? Absolutely. The bulk of the world is in the wage system. Fine, kind, loving, terrific, wonderful people. But don't complain that you don't have a million dollars in your bank account because you're never going to get there if you make that, that choice. Yeah. And, and people, they're disconnected from how their choices produce results and how the results don't match up with what they really want in life. See, this, this, this amazes me. <laughs>
it, it amazes me that you know I mean I, I realized or learned recently that I think it was about 100 years ago 90% of the world were entrepreneurs they worked they were self-employed and now we fast forward to today and 90% of the world are, are working for somebody else and it kind of it, it kind of marries up with me how you know obviously people are never going to get generally people are not going to get wealthy other than those that you've kind of pointed out working for somebody else um, and it kind of, you know, certainly here in Europe, I think like 90, 95% of Europe need some kind of extra income to, to live the lifestyle they've become accustomed to. And I'm sure it's the same worldwide. But there can be, no, certainly like from you go back, like there was, go back 100 years. And I think there, there wasn't the poverty maybe that there is today. There was more wealth. There was more entrepreneurialism. And it seems like society has kind of influenced people in some cases into that negative thinking where the... They, they don't believe they can make choices. I mean, I come across people every day, people I come across through, you know, just meeting new people, creating new relationships through to, to people that I've been working with for years. And it's trying to get them to see exactly what you've said, really. But choices, it's the choices we make. Um, and I mean, how do we, can we get people to embrace change, to embrace or, or believe the fact that actually it is, it is about the things that they choose? It's the, the six inches between their ears, maybe having a paradigm shift. Is there a way we can yeah. influence people to do that? I think it's just a matter of helping them see and walking through. If you're in a personal coaching relationship with somebody, you know, who maybe over a cup of coffee, they're griping and complaining and just say, okay, let's, let's take a look at how you ended up here. Let's say, let's say they say, well, I'm broke and I, I barely pay my mortgage and my car is eight years old and the transmission just went out and I don't know where I'm going to get the $2,000 to afford it. Well, you know, woe is me. Well, let's just sit down with them and say, okay, let's take a look at how you got here. Let's back up and let's see the choices you made to get here to where you are financially uh, struggling. And then let's see if we can make some different choices that would produce different results. So in my seminars, what I usually do is I, I tell people, wherever you are right now, for better or for worse, wherever you are right now, is the sum of the choices you've made up, up until right now. Now, here's usually where somebody says, oh, you don't know, Chris. <laughs> you don't know my parents. Well, yes, I do. I had a dad who died who wasn't even there, and my mom was, you know, God, I love her, but she was not the best mom in the world. I've been beaten with every single long and flexible thing you could possibly think of, <laughs> from power cords to Hot Wheels tracks to switches to you name it, Right. Uh, I had, you know, a mom who wasn't the, the most kind and loving and, and uh, nurturing woman. Um, yeah, I loved her. We ended up having a good relationship toward the end of her life. But the fact is, is it doesn't matter what your parents were like. If, 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 if that's going to be your choice and that's going to be your excuse, then that's what it's going to be. I gave a seminar once and I, I said, you, you know, where you are right now is some of the choices you've made up until right now. And, and this woman came up to me afterwards and she said, um, well, I didn't choose my husband to cheat on me and run off with another woman and divorce me. And I said, you're right. You didn't choose that. But let's let's think through a couple of things. Number one, you did choose him. And so you chose a guy who did that. And, of course, you didn't know and you wouldn't have chosen. But but you, you were partly in, engaged there, right? Mm -hmm. And and I don't know. I'm not going to place blame on one or the other. But you probably, you know, had some marital issues that, you know, that, that could have been resolved differently. And, and, of course, she doesn't ever, you know, you can't blame a, a, a spouse for a cheating spouse. But, you know, there probably was not the best marriage. And, and how did your, you know, involvement you know, form a, a marriage that was conducive to that kind of thing. Again, not placing the blame on her at all, but just understanding that all of these things add up. But then I said something to her that just created a stunned look on her face. And I said, my last question to you is, are you going to use the excuse that your husband cheated on you to never achieve anything in the future? I and mean, that's a really simple question. Mm. He did a horrible thing. He, he cheated on you. He ran off with another woman, left you and your children. Now, is that going to be your excuse for the rest of your life? Because the fact is, it doesn't have to be. There are all sorts of women who, who've been dumped by men, you know, bad guys who've said, I'm going to do something in spite of this. And that's a choice. Yeah. She was now presented with a choice. I got a horrible thing happen to me. Now I have a choice. Is it? Am I going to... Hold on to that as a warm, fuzzy excuse for the rest of my life, or and that's a choice, or am I going to choose to say, in spite of the fact 
that I had something really negative happen to me. In spite of the fact that I've been left a single mom, in spite of the fact that I'm struggling, I am still going to go out and succeed. And that is the choice. Yeah. And that's what I confronted her with. And I just held up the mirror and I said, is, is that going to be your excuse? Hmm. Because the fact is, is that most people, they use it as an excuse. My mom was bad. My spouse cheated on me. Uh, I started a business and it failed and I went bankrupt. Do you know how many bankrupted billionaires there are? Hmm. There's all sorts of billionaires that went bankrupt. I have a good friend named um, uh, Bill Bartman. Bill would be a good guy for you to get on. Uh, look him up. He was at one time the 23rd richest man in America. He was one spot ahead of Ross Perot, wow. who was a well-known billionaire. Uh, Bill was... Uh, he owned a company, did 35, and they had 3,500 employees. He was partners with his, his, uh, um, his high school friend. And I think Bill owned about 80% of the company. His best friend owned 20% of the company. Long story short, his best friend was cooking the books. The federal agents raided the place. They bankrupted him. He literally went from being worth three and a half billion dollars to losing his entire company, losing all the employees and being worth nothing a couple of years later. Wow. Now, he could have said, woe is me, I'm never going to be able to, but Bill is back on his feet, building businesses, learning from his, you know, all the things. That's choice. Yeah. Some people would say, well, I started, I, I invested $50,000 in my live stream to start an ice cream shop and it went bankrupt and now I'm just going to go work for the man for the rest of my life. That's just a choice. It's just an excuse. And uh, what I try to do is just tell people we all have made choices up until now. And we all get to make new choices from here on out, regardless of whether you've suffered an injustice or you've suffered, you know, at the hands of, of another person or a bankrupted business or, or something like that. Most people don't want to accept responsibility for their choices. But here's the power. And this is what I explain to people. If you're willing to accept the responsibility, if you're willing to stand where you are today and say, I am now right now exactly where I've chosen to be that's a hardship for a lot of people to, to do that but if they will if if where I've come from is the result of the choices I've made back here then it's also true that wherever I want to go is simply the choices that I'm going to make from here on out that's the real power if you can get over the responsibility of accepting that your choices have brought you this life that you don't like then you actually empower yourself to choose the rest of your life, which can be your dream life. It can be whatever you want it to be. And that's a pretty amazing thing. Yeah, I, I love that. I really do love that philosophy. And I think it is taking responsibility and certainly you know, my own experience and, and listening to you. And I think even like, like talking about, you know, your, your, your colleague, friend, Bill Barton, it, it's amazing. Again, I'm, it's a belief of mine. I've read it somewhere. I've been influenced with it. I think it's they, they, I think somebody suggested that if you divided all the wealth equally to everyone in the world, every penny, euro, dime, uh, zen, to all the individuals eventually it'll end up back in the same pockets because people have Absolutely. made themselves worth that you know people say is, is that footballer worth that volume of money well i think yeah he's made himself worth that for what he provides and and what he gives uh, which kind of, you, may, you may disagree with the fact that a footballer gets paid two million dollars a year and, and that's what a lot of people say oh you know that guy all he does is throw a ball through a hoop he's a basketball player all he does is throw a ball he's playing a kid's game but the reality is, is that these same people or their friends or family will go spend 200 euros to sit in the front <laughs> row and watch that guy throw the ball through the hoop, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's creating value in the marketplace, and and, uh, and the owners who own the companies, they, they charge people this money to come, and they put 50,000 people in a stadium. They have to pay somebody else who can actually do it very, very well, and in order to get the best, they have to pay them most. It's it's It's... I mean, it's, it's like any business. Yeah. It just happens to be a large-scale business. And the larger the scale, the more money gets made. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. And it almost brings me, I suppose, to... You know, I've just been reading um, your one of your books, The Art of Influence, uh, which is a fabulous story about, obviously, the young guy... Um, gets goes through business school and then gets the Marcus gets the opportunity to spend the time with one of America's wealthiest men, Bobby. And he talks about the four golden rules. And it, kind of when you were talking about uh, Bill Barton losing his money and then acquiring that wealth back, it kind of it just felt right to maybe ask you about these four golden rules of of business and influence. Really, are you are you happy to share them with the readers and uh, the listeners? 
Sure, absolutely. Um, the premise of the book is that, and this is actually, it's kind of funny, uh, Art of Influence is about my third or fourth best-selling book, but it's about 95% of all the speeches I give. <laughs> um, so that's what I talk about most is the Art of Influence. And it's really based on four things. If you want to have a good life, if you want to build a big business, if you want to build a big team, if you want to be a great leader, you want to sell a lot, you have to gain four things from other people. And the four things that you have to gain are trust, admiration, loyalty, and respect. Trust, admiration, loyalty, and respect. So I'll ask my, my seminar attendees, do you think you'd make more money if people trusted you more? The answer is yes. Do you think that you'd make more money if people admired you more? The answer is yes. Do you think people would, you'd make more money if your employees and clients were more loyal to you? The answer is obviously yes. Do you think that you'd make more money if people respected you more? And the answer is yes. So how do you gain trust, admiration, loyalty, and respect? Well, you do it through four correlating character traits. And the art of influence is not so much about persuading other people like, what do I do? What do I say to you to get you to buy from me? It's really at a deeper level. It's what do I do to myself so that you want to do business with me, so that you're attracted to doing business with me, so that you're attracted to buying from me. And the way you do that is, is in order to gain trust, you have to live a life of integrity. And so if, if people think that you're going to lie to them, then they're not going to trust you. If people think that you're not honest, they're not going to trust you. If people see that you do one thing one place and another thing another place, they're not going to trust you. If they see that you say one thing one place and another thing in another place, they're not going to trust you. So what it means is, is that you can work on yourself and work on your own integrity and say, I'm going to be a trustworthy, honest person of integrity. And when you make those choices about the way that you're going to live your life, other people are going to see you and they're going to say, I trust that person. Uh, how do you gain admiration? And I believe that we gain admiration by being positive, optimistic people. Mm-hmm. And it starts with the words that we use. It starts with the way that we talk from the very, very basic level. You know, somebody comes in and they say, uh, how are you doing? And, and they just ask a simple question. How are you doing today? And you say, well, pretty good under the circumstances. <laughs> you know, nobody wants to be with you if you're under the circumstances. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to go, hey, you're under the circumstances. Can I come in under there with you? No, they're, they're going to say, he's under the circumstances. Let's get out of here. You know, uh, the fact is, is that people want to see people who are overcoming and they're positive and they view, you know, life as something that they can, uh, that they can win at in spite of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a, a friend of mine, he, he used to live, he just sold it, a $9 million house. And, and the first time I ever met him, we went over to his house. A friend of mine brought me over there and he gave me his business card and said, hey, call me in a couple of days. Let's talk about doing some business together. And I said, okay. So I called him a couple of days later and he answered the phone and I said, hey, Dave, how's it going? He said, man, if I was any better, I'd have to be twins. And if I was somebody else, I'd be jealous of myself. <laughs> and I thought, okay, that works for you. you know. Um, and obviously it did. He's quite successful. Um, but uh, um, you, you know, somewhere between another day, another dollar, and if I was any better, I'd have to be twins, you know, somewhere in that you know, continuum, we have to find our own unique personality yeah. where we are going to project a positive, optimistic person. You know, if people are listening today, we have some people who are introverts. If they were to walk into their office and, you know, and start talking like Tony Robbins, people would say, whoa, what happened to, what happened to him, you know? Um, be yourself, but ask yourself and listen to yourself. What am I, what am I saying? How am I talking? What am I projecting? You know, yesterday I put on my, my Facebook page, uh, if people want to join me, they can go to facebook.com forward slash Chris Weidner speaker. Uh, I put on there, there's two kinds of people, the kind that brighten a room when they walk in and the kind that brighten a room when they walk out. Yeah. And the reality is, is that there's a lot of people who brighten a room when they walk out. People go, man, I'm glad that guy left mm-hmm. because all they do is talk about, you know, uh, hey, how's everything going? Oh, the weather's terrible and the economy sucks and the Republicans are bad. And, you know, they're just whining about life all the time. And people don't admire people like that. You know, they admire people who are optimistic, who can see the best in the world around them. And so I always encourage people, make sure you're talking positively, make sure you're thinking positively, make sure that you're leading people positively and you gain admiration from people. The third one is loyalty. How do you gain loyalty? You gain loyalty by um, serving other people, mm-hmm. by considering other people's interests more important than your own. In fact, I was just speaking uh, in Gothenburg, Sweden, 
and I was speaking to a network marketing company and it was a company that um, they give away a car when when they reach a certain level they get a car you know and, and different companies have different rewards that they give and this one just happened to be car and there was a whole bunch of cars sitting over there and, and up off the side of the stage I said how many of you would like to get that car and of course everybody Woo, I want that car and they're focused on what they can get for themselves and I said okay so let me ask you a question instead of just thinking about how I can get my car what if you said I'm going to help five other people get their car would you get your car if you helped five other people get their car mm-hmm. and of course everybody said yeah absolutely and it doesn't matter if, if, if the company you're in gives away trips or cars or you know cash bonus it doesn't matter if, if you can get a fifty thousand dollar cash bonus in your company great help five other people get their fifty thousand dollar cash bonus and guess what you're going to get you'll probably get two hundred and fifty thousand yeah. dollar cash bonus or or if it's a if it's a trip you know, if, if you can help 20 other people get a cruise, then you're going to get a cruise and they're probably going to put you in a suite. So, you know, it's about focusing on other people. And when other people realize that you're out to help them, that creates this bond of loyalty. Yeah. They're like, he helped me get something out of life. And it, it always reminds me of that famous quote. My, my mentor, Zig Ziglar, uh, it's one of his most famous quotes. You can have anything you want in life mm-hmm. if you help enough other people get what they want out of life. And, and that's really what it's all about. How can I help a lot of people get out of life what it is that they want out of life? Yeah. And, um, you know, for, we talked about footballers. Um, a lot of people, they want to go on Saturday night and watch a, just an amazing game of football and paint their faces. I've, I've seen your European crowds. I've seen how you guys do it, right? I mean, you guys are way more out of control than us Americans. And we always think that, that you Brits are the stodgy ones. But, you know, I mean, I've seen those European soccer matches, right? Flags waving and faces painted and people going crazy and, and they love that and they're willing to pay money to go do that. Yeah. So if you can become a great footballer and you can help 50,000 people or 100,000 people go out every weekend and have a blast at the game, yeah. you help enough other people get what they want out of life, you can get what you want out of life. And it doesn't matter if you're selling ice cream or books or network marketing or football, it doesn't matter. The more people you help, the more you get back. And and most people are just living like this. How can I get what I want out of life? How can I get what I want? They got they got this tunnel vision. And instead of thinking, how can I help other people get what they want out of life? Mm-hmm. And um, and that creates loyalty. And then the last one is respect. How do you gain respect? You gain respect through excellence. And um, if you can just take your life and increase excellence a little bit more at every single level in your spirituality, in your emotional state, in your intellectual state, in your physical presence, in the way you communicate, in the way that you relate to other people. If you can take that game up a notch or two or three or four and create a state of excellence in your life, then other people are going to be attracted to you. They're going to seek you out and they're going to respect you. You I'll give you a few analogies. If you want to lose weight, do you go to the big fat guy and say, hey, what do you eat? You know, what's your diet like? No, you go to the like totally buff people and go, hey, tell me, how do you eat? What do you do? And what's your regimen? Um, if you want to get rich, do you go to the guy who stands on the end of the off ramp with the little cardboard sign that says, we'll work for food, we'll work for food and pull up and roll down your window and say, hey, tell me your secret? <laughs> no, you go to the guy that's made millions of dollars in real estate or network marketing or, you know, building big businesses. If your marriage is falling apart, do you look for a couple that, fights all the time and say, hey, can we get together and you can teach us how to do it? Or do you go to the couple that's been married for 40 years and say, how did you last? What did you do? How did you make it through the hard times? Excellence attracts. And so, you know, when we hold up the mirror and have people look into it, we just ask, are you living a life of excellence? And does that attract other people? And um, and, and that's the reality is people respect people of excellence and they're attracted to it. So you gain um, trust through integrity. You gain admiration through optimism, you gain loyalty through service, and you gain respect through excellence. So I see, it's amazing really. I mean, these characteristics um, are obviously, you know, key attributes to be successful, key attributes in leadership, um, and, and positively influencing other people. I mean, obviously you've been doing the, doing this for years now. I mean, what from from your your own personal journey, 
um, these kind of four four characteristics. Is there any others that you felt that are things that you've acquired? I mean, I know obviously you spent a, a lot of time with Jim Rowan. I know, he, as you said, he very much took you under under his wing. And I know before you know he passed away, he was certainly. Um, you know, loyal is not probably the right word, but, you know, very proud of what you had become and what you had to offer moving forward into the future. And I know he certainly, you know, spoke of that. And then obviously you've had the chance of working with Zig Ziglar. Is there any other lessons from these great guys that you've, that's helped shape you in becoming the person that you've become? You know, just off the top of my head, I'll tell you a couple of things. Um, nice guys finish first. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of jerks in the world and people can point to the jerks and say, oh, look at him. He made a bunch of money. But you know what? Making money doesn't tell me that you're successful. It tells me you learned how to make money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and by far and away, most of the people who I've met, and I know billionaires and, and successful sports stars and, I mean, you name it, successful people in all the industries. And most of them are pretty nice people. Most of them have realized that it doesn't pay to be a jerk. I mean, for, you know, for every Kanye West, there's a few other guys who are pretty nice guys, right? <laughs> you know, there, there, there are some bad people who make it, but most of the people who succeed long term are nice people. They're good people. And that's why they succeed because business is, it, business isn't done in a vacuum. Business is done face to face. It's done working with people. It's done, you know, Kanye West can be a jerk because he just puts a song out and people download it, right? He doesn't ever have to interact with people. If, if his interactions, you, you know, were any indicator, he probably wouldn't make all the money that he makes because, you know, he doesn't seem to be the kind of guy that people can really get along with. Mm-hmm. I might be wrong, but, uh, but that's been my perception, uh, as I've seen. But most people have to do business interacting personally. And so they have to be nice. They have to be forgiving. They have to be patient. They have to be kind. They have to be gentle. They have to, they have to, you know, work with other people and people aren't perfect. And, and certainly we aren't perfect. And so when you're doing business in the real world as opposed to, you know, big, uh, you know, music stars and things like that that can be done from a stage, you know, and, and that kind of stuff, um, or in a recording studio, um, you really have to be good people. And that's one of the things that I really realized about Jim. Roan and Zig Ziglar is they're just terrific, kind people. And it was a great um, illustration for me to see um, that they were humble people. They were kind people. They were good people. And I tell people now, I want to be the easiest speaker you've ever worked with. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you, and, and I focus on that, uh, on, on being, you know, very, very easy to work with when people bring me in to speak at speaking engagements. And I tell them that I want to be the easiest person you've ever worked with. I cannot tell you how many people come to me after they've hired me and the bench is over and they say, you know what? You told me that you wanted to be the easiest speaker I've ever worked with. And I'm telling you, you are the easiest speaker I've ever worked with. And then they'll tell me horror stories <laughs> of famous people, you know, who, who they demand all these just piddly little things that really have no bearing on whether they can do their job or not. It's more just to prove their own self-worth and, you know, and stuff like that. I see it all the time. It, it, you know, a lot of famous people and, and behind the scenes, they're not necessarily the greatest people. So that's one thing. And then right. if I were to, to, to really tie one thing up, a question that I get asked a lot, and that is, what's the skill? What's the number one skill that I have to learn? The number one character trait is integrity. Mm-hmm. Um, but the number one skill is communication. To learn to communicate because, again, you have to do business with other people. And to do business with other people, you have to be able to communicate. So to me, it's really important for us to to understand that we have to learn how to communicate concisely, clearly, passionately, um, so that other people get it. So they learn, so they grow, so they understand, so we connect, so we build rapport and all these kinds of things. And so that takes practice, and it, it, it takes uh, learning how to communicate more effectively. I encourage people, you know, take a, a public speaking course um, at a local community college or take a creative writing course at a local community. These are usually very inexpensive, a few hundred dollars, you know, usually at a community college or something like that. Uh, join Toastmasters. Toastmasters has, has places all over the world where you can go once a week and meet with 10 or 15 other people and learn to speak more articulately and, and those kinds of things. So. Um, take a drama class. I mean, really break out and take like an impromptu comedy class or something. Anything <laughs> to help you learn how to communicate more effectively that's going to stretch you and grow you and, uh, and teach you how to do these things. It, it's a really uh, good idea to learn how to communicate more effectively. Yeah, I suppose, you know, I get the vibe really. It's kind of, 
just being sincere, being honest and, and being true to yourself. And, you know, as you said, putting other people first. I mean, I, you know, from a, a people skills perspective, I suppose it's something you can you can read and study, but it takes a lifetime to master. Um, Absolutely. I, and I think, you know, I mean, I have a vibe or a feeling about people skills and it. I think if you're, you're honest and you care about other people, I think it's the beginning, the foundational foundations of having good people skills and, and building, you know, building rapport with people, you know, showing an interest, caring about, you know, genuinely caring about others. You know, like you said about Zig Ziglar, you know, positively influence other people's lives and in turn you'll positively influence yours in a short, I suppose. Yeah, the word that I use all the time is authenticity. Yeah. It's authentic. It's real. Mm-hmm. You know, if you watch uh, one of these Pawn Star shows, you know, these shows on TV where people go in and they try and sell something to a pawn shop or something, and they'll, they'll occasionally they'll bring in a ball autographed by a famous player or something. Mm-hmm. And what's the first thing that the pawn shop wants to do? They want to authenticate it. Yeah. They want to make sure that it's real because the value is in being real. Mm-hmm. The, the, the fake and the phony isn't worth anything. But the authentic, the authentication, the authenticated baseball or bat or um, letter with the autograph, that's worth a lot. And, um, and I think that that's what people are really looking for. And, and frankly, as our society has become more educated and more uh, in tune, people can snip out a phony a lot easier yeah. than they used to be able to. And uh, people have been burned a lot. And so they really are looking for authentic people. And, and that's what I tell people. Just be authentic. Be yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, be a voice, not an echo. Don't try to be somebody else. Um, I learned this lesson early on in my speaking career. I, um, I was watching some videos. Um, I think it was the 2001 um, uh, Jim Rohn Weekend Leadership event. And they had a couple of, they had a number of speakers there, but one was Jeffrey Gittimer and one was Jim Rohn. And Jeffrey Gittimer, you know, he's a New York Jewish guy and he's just hard charging and straight talking. You know, he's just, he's just an aggressive kind of, once speaking kind of guy, right? And I thought, man, it would be great to be a speaker like Jeffrey Gittimer because people love Jeffrey Gittimer. I mean, man, look at him. He's amazing. And then the next speaker was Jim Rohn, who was very soft-spoken and, and he, he would take his glasses and he'd put them down and he'd talk like this and then he'd pull his glasses off and he'd give you these little bits of wisdom and I thought boy wouldn't it be great to be like Jim Rohn you know wise old man and then what I realized was Jeffrey's successful because he's being Jeffrey Mm -hmm. and Jim is successful because he's being Jim and I'm going to be successful by being Chris not by trying to be a fake Jeffrey or a fake Jim or a knockoff of Zig Ziglar Mm -hmm. or you know a knockoff of Tony Robbins Chris Widener is going to be successful by being Chris Widener. And you're going to be successful by being yourself. And and the people who are listening to this are going to be most successful when they're being authentically themselves instead of trying to be somebody else. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, I mean, I certainly believe everyone's got something special inside them. They just more often than not, I mean, obviously yourself, you had a rough upbringing and, you know, there was events that allowed you, you know, obviously going to, um, uh, to the church and being influenced by your, your male role model to, to yeah. kind of change your thinking. And I think everyone, it's that, I think Tony Robbins talks about the power of association. Um, it's certainly something, you know, that's made a huge difference in my life over the last 12 years. And I just think sometimes if you can get people to understand that they can make the choices, they can associate with like-minded, positive, optimistic, hungry individuals, you know, honest, honest people. Uh, but at the same time, there's so much accessible now you don't necessarily have to be in that environment you can choose that environment through audios books youtube you you can almost influence yourself through the choice because there's so much out there there's so much you know out there so people can discover themselves maybe and what's within through that association i think yeah you know charlie tremendous jones i don't know if you remember charlie or ever heard of charlie he was a contemporary of zig ziglar and and uh, jim Rohn. he passed away a couple years ago he was the most amazing personality I've ever met. I don't know if you, you, you ought to just look him up and watch some of his videos. Charlie Tremendous Jones, he was, he was an amazing guy, um, just a big, booming, amazing personality. 
And Jim, uh, Charlie, he used to say that you will become the product in the next five years, you will become the product of the books you read and the people you hang around with. Yeah. And of course, you could say the audio books that you listen to and the YouTube videos that you listen to and, and the like and the people that you hang around with. And Jim and I, in the book 12 Pillars, we talked about your associations and there's three categories. And, and this is what I teach in my seminars as well now that Jim has passed. There's three categories of association. One is expanded association. These are the people you want to expand your association with. These are good people. They're, they're win-win people. They're mutually beneficial. They can teach you. You can learn from them. You can help them. They can help you. You want to expand that relationship and that association. You want to spend more time with those people. The second one is what we call limited association. And that is the, the people that you have to have an association with, but you have to limit it or they're going to drag it into the depths <laughs> of despair. This is like a crazy brother-in-law, you know, the, the guy that you have to have over for Thanksgiving and Christmas, but you don't have to have him over any other time because he's just a bad dude, you know, or whatever. Um, uh, or the, the, the lady in the cubicle next to you who just whines about life all the time and the whole extent of her life is, you know, the 12 cats she lives with and, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, you know, you limit that association. You have to work with them, but you limit, you're not, you're not going to the crazy guy down the hall at work and saying, hey, let's go to lunch three days a week. You know, you're going into the meetings you have to be in with that guy, and then you're staying away from him the rest of the time. Yeah. And this doesn't mean that you have to be mean or, you know, anything like that. You just extract yourself from the relationship and you limit it to what is required. And then the last one is disassociation. And this one's the hardest for people. And that means you just disassociate with some people. And again, you don't call them up and go, hey, I made a decision. You're a jerk and you're out of my life because you're horrible and I'm good. You know, I'm not suggesting that you have to be mean spirited about it, but it does mean that you have to disassociate with them. And I realize that a lot of people are friends by convenience. Their, their friends are friends of convenience. Why am I friends with him? Well, because I've been friends with him since high school. Mm -hmm. Well, is he good to be in a relationship with? Eh, probably not. He's going nowhere and he's not doing much. Uh, well, then why are you friends with him? Well, because I've been friends with him since high school. Okay, that's a friend by convenience mm -hmm. and you need to let go. And it's okay to let go. Let, he, if he's going in a different direction, that's fine. Let him go in a different direction. It's like I live in Seattle, and if you look at the United States of America, if you look at a map, we're in the upper left-hand corner. Mm -hmm. Straight down from us along the coast is Los Angeles. Straight east from us, for the most part, it's, it's almost directly east, but if you were to go east, is Chicago. If I get in a car and I say, I want to go to Chicago, I have to get on I-90 east, and that's my choice. I'm going to Chicago. If somebody else meets me and says, hey, I'm going to Los Angeles, I say, well, that's great. You can go to Los Angeles, but I'm on I-90 East. You need to be on I-5 South. Mm -hmm. Go to Los Angeles. It's totally fine. You're a terrific person. Love you. Have fun. Best of luck to you. But I'm not going to be in the car with you because I'm going on I-90 East. You need to go on I-5 South. We need to take that mentality and look at the way, the way we're living our lives. Where am I going? Am I going to abundance? Am I going to wealth? Am I going to uh, difference making? Uh, am I going to an extraordinary life? If so, I don't want to be in the car with the people who are going to scarcity, who are going to drama, who are going to, you know, broken relationships. I'm not going to be in the same car with them. The same way I wouldn't be in a car with somebody going to Los Angeles if I wanted to go to Chicago. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the blunt reality. And a lot of people, you know, most people listening to this, you're nice people. And you kind of go, well, I don't want to break up with him or I don't want to, you know, not be friends with them anymore. Okay, that's fine. Circling back to what we've talked about in the past, but it's a choice. Who are you going to hang around with? And the people you hang around with are going to determine to a great degree uh, what kind of person you become. Mm -hmm. Now, I've become pretty successful in my life. But you know what? I'm one of the least successful people in my circle of influence. I, I love being the least successful guy in my circle. I love having friends who I think are smarter than me, richer than me, better than me. You know what? Because it means I'm moving up. I, I don't know why they hang around with me, but you know, it's like uh, it's like I want to hang around with people who are better than me, and I don't want to hang around with people who are going to drag me down. Now, let me just give a parenthetical statement here because sometimes people mistake what I'm saying. They'll say. 
do you mean we shouldn't help the poor? Do you mean we shouldn't help the downtrodden? Do you mean, no, I'm not saying that at all. We should help the poor. We should help the downtrodden. We should help people who've suffered injustices and things like that. But we don't make them our colleagues. We don't put them into our inner circle and ask them to influence us. Mm -hmm. So we have a relationship, we can have a relationship, but it's a relationship where we're mentoring them or we're helping them or we're being charitable to them. We're not viewing them as peers and colleagues who speak into our life and have an effect on what kind of life we live. It's an important distinction there. Yeah. You, you still there, mate? I am. Yeah, fantastic. Sorry, my screen froze there. Yeah, do you know, I, I think um, it is that association, I suppose, you know, again, what you were talking about, the sum of the people we spend most of our time with. And, um, yeah, it just gets me thinking as well, you know, obviously kind of look into us. I love the fact that you're, you know, obviously very successful, but your circle of influence are at the next level. But I suppose that helps you aspire and learn and and associate with, with people maybe where you want to kind of keep growing and keep becoming and keep giving and keep influencing. Yeah, one of my, one of my best friends is a very successful real estate investor, and, and I knew he had a lot of money, but I didn't know how much until he ran for the United States Senate, <laughs> and he had his financials, and they were on the front cover of the local newspaper. And I looked at the newspaper that morning, and I said, $15 million, and I called him up, and I said, you're buying lunch next time, pal. I didn't <laughs> that. You know, that's a well, I, want to, I want to hang around with guys that have, you know, a lot of money. They're not giving me any of their money. It's not about, hey, you know, will you buy lunch for me? It's more about people who succeed and achieve those things. They, they've achieved certain things in their life. They have the right mindset. They have yeah. the right actions. They have the right discipline. They have, you know, those are the things that I want to incorporate into my life. Yeah. No, I really get that. Hey, Chris, I, I really, really do appreciate your time. And I'm so, sure all the listeners um, have gained great value. You know, we have listeners from every walk of life all over the world, um, from people that are studying through to people that are entrepreneurs involved in traditional business, MLM. Um, and I think, you know, these characteristics you've talked about and these traits to be successful and positively influence other people can, uh, well, are certainly transferable from, from any success in life. So, I'm really, really grateful. I thank you very much for your time on this uh, Monday evening or Monday morning, I think it may be for you. Um, just uh, for, for people that want to connect with you, Chris, where, where's best for them? If they're not already connected, I'm sure many are. But for those that, that, that aren't connected with you or maybe coming across you for the first time, where's best for them to connect with you? Well, the first thing I always like to do is give away something for free. So I've got a free video. It's about 23 minutes long. Uh, it's on how to influence and persuade other people, which if you're in sales or leadership, you have to get. And in order to get it for free, you have to go to this address. It's www.widenerleadership.com forward slash Chris. That'll take you to a landing page. It'll give you the free one. Widener is spelled like the word wide, W-I-D-E, with an N-E-R on the end. So WidenerLeadership.com forward slash Chris, and that's the traditional spelling, C-H-R-I-S. And, um, and we'll give you a free video there to help you learn how to influence and persuade other people. Uh, on Twitter, you can reach me at Chris Widener. It's just at Chris Widener. And uh, on Facebook, you can go to Facebook.com forward slash Chris Widener Speaker. And then, of course, on the web, uh, just chriswidener.com. Hey, that's absolutely fantastic. I'll certainly make sure that this uh, this web link for this free video is on the, on the resource on the website as well. Chris, I uh, thank you very much for your time. I hope you have a, an absolutely magical Monday. I'm very grateful, and I'm sure the listeners uh, will really appreciate your time as well. So thanks again, Chris, and I uh, wish you a good day. If you enjoyed today's show, we would appreciate it if you would like. Most people share through social media. Then subscribe, rate, and provide a review over at iTunes and SoundCloud. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us. The Passion to Succeed show is brought to you by passiontosucceed.com. Get over to the website, subscribe, and join the community of passionate people. Passion to Succeed.